how do you answer the question, are we doing better today than we were yesterday? Are we doing better today than we were last week? And the only way you can really do that is by logging the data and analyzing it and applying a trend. From the Center for Occupational Research and Development, welcome to Preparing Technicians for the Future of Work. I'm your host, Mike Lasecki. In each podcast, we'll reach out to people who are actually on the front line of the future of work and hear what they have to say. That means interviews with industry, interviews with working technicians, and forward thinkers in the field. We'll do some background research and we'll curate that research to make sure you have the most up-to-date and relevant information. And in every episode, we'll suggest action that you can take. We want to inspire you to take that action. This podcast is brought to you by the Center for Occupational Research and Development, known as CORD, with financial support by a grant from the National Science Foundation's Advanced Technological Education Program. Opinions expressed in the podcast do not necessarily represent those of the National Science Foundation. You can find out more about our project and our approach at preparingtechnicians, all one word, dot O-R-G. Our guest today is Phil Jilks. He's the Regional Maintenance Manager for Dollar Tree's Distribution Centers in the continental U.S. So tell our audience a bit more about yourself and what your role is at Dollar Tree. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I am the Regional Maintenance Manager for the eastern part of the U.S. I'm responsible for 11 of our 26 distribution centers and all the equipment that's contained within those distribution centers. I have responsibility for a team of a little under 700 technicians that provide on-site maintenance to the distribution centers. And I've been with Dollar Tree around four years now. In my previous career, I spent time, most of my time, to be honest, as a field service leader, working with manufacturers such as Siemens and Intelligrated, which is now part of Honeywell. Uh, I managed large field service organizations, supporting conveyor systems, sortation systems, and supply chain automation equipment around the country. I have a background in electrical engineering, and also I work very closely with the National Center for Supply Chain Automation, uh, trying to find innovative ways of educating and developing technicians in our industry. That's perfect, Phil. It's great to be talking to you about these things. How many stores does Dollar Tree have around the country? We have just under 16,000 stores across the 48 states and five Canadian provinces. You know, I'm talking to you now a little bit before Christmas of 2021, and it must have been a busy fall season for you in the supply chain world, huh? Yeah, it's been an interesting time for sure. We're in a very interesting period and we're having to adapt accordingly. Uh, Supply chains are stressed at the moment. And, you know, we're having to react to that as quickly as we can. Now, Phil, let me turn to this question for you. I'm sure you have a lot of experience in dealing with the workforce. As you think about that workforce, let's suppose people that come into your organization or organization like yours, do you see gaps in their skill sets? Do you say, boy, I wish they would have had more of this or more of that? 
What gaps do you see and how do you know? Well, good question, Mike. I think the first answer I have is, how do I know that the gaps exist? The reason I know is because as a regional maintenance manager, I'm part of the support structure for the technicians, and I'm also part of the escalation structure. And oftentimes, I'm brought in or consulted on certain challenges that the technicians are facing. And then when I kind of lump those together, what are the common aspects of that? I often look at the control systems training, programmable logic controller training, and associated components, sensors, encoders, and things of that type. Generally, mechanically, technicians are usually very adept as soon as they come into the organization, but they definitely lack a knowledge of control systems and PLCs. Okay, good. Now, automation must be a strong coming on, if not already existent issue. Does increasing automation increase the stress on the existing technicians? Do they feel compelled that they have to get up to speed on this right away? Sometimes people think of automation as making a technician's life easier, but does it make it harder in that way? What's your thought on that, Phil? Well, I think it certainly makes their life different. I don't know that it makes it any easier. I do believe it adds a level of stress. Distribution centers, like many other facilities, whether they be factories or power stations, things like that, the equipment is critical to the operation in different ways across different industries. And if that equipment fails or breaks down, there's a lot of pressure to return it to service very, very quickly. And with the added complexity that automation brings, I do believe that that adds some stress to the daily workload of the technicians, and more so because they may not have such an in-depth understanding of all the components of that automation. So if it's a simple task that they understand, they can get through that very quickly and efficiently with the minimum amount of stress. But with the added complexity that PLCs and variable frequency drives bring to the table, that really does put pressure on them to perform. And I think most technicians are proud of what they do and they like being able to fix things and fix things quickly. And when they can't do that, I think it adds additional stress to their daily life. That makes sense, Phil. I guess automation isn't a be-all and end-all, and it's going to cure everything. Rather, it's just a different way of doing things. Let me ask you a follow-up question on that, Phil. We talked about the different skill sets that these technicians need. What about things like IT or cybersecurity or data science? You mentioned the PLCs and sensors and control systems, but what about those, I guess some people refer to them as cross-disciplinary skills? How much does a supply chain technician need to know about cybersecurity, for example? So they're all very important, Mike. I think the good news is that technicians coming into the industry now are not necessarily intimidated by the technology. This generation has been brought up with smartphones and smart glasses and advanced computing. So they're not intimidated by the technology per se. But what they lack is a general understanding of all the data that is being created in these automation systems and how it can be used to help make the operation more efficient, more effective. Things like data analysis are very important. 
understanding how to collate the data, analyze it, and develop some kind of trend that gives them some indication of how things are going. Are things getting better? Are they deteriorating? And if they're deteriorating, how quickly are they deteriorating? And that's where the data science piece comes into this. So I think those skills are very important. Phil, are they expected to recognize those trends in the data themselves, or are there algorithms that flag those trends? How much does a technician have to know? It's a little bit of both, Mike. On the more advanced systems that we have in place, there are algorithms that can detect those trends. But not all our facilities have brand new equipment, and that's where the technician has to be able to try and understand how the equipment's performing. So they are expected to do some kind of trend analysis themselves. And it doesn't have to be super complicated, but how do you answer the question, are we doing better today than we were yesterday? Are we doing better today than we were last week? And the only way you can really do that is by logging the data and analyzing it and applying a trend. Speaking of measurements and metrics, Phil, question a little bit off our direct topic today, but does an organization like yours use something like overall equipment effectiveness? Do you use some metric that everyone tracks? So personally, I'm a big fan of overall equipment effectiveness. And the reason is, Most technicians feel like if the equipment's running, then my job is done. And there's more to it than that. So is it running? Yes. Is it running the way it should, the way it was designed? And finally, is it producing a quality output? And those three components are what really drives that overall equipment effectiveness. And I think that's an area where there are gaps. I don't think many techs fully understand that. They feel if it's running, it's good, and their job is done. I think that's a miss across the industry, to be frank. You know, Phil, it's an interesting story here. I was at an industry advisory board meeting at one college, and this topic of OEE, overall equipment effectiveness, came up. And the industry guys and women on the board were saying, oh, yeah, we use this all the time. And the educator people were saying, well, what is this again? So I think you're right. There really is that gap there. And maybe that's something our project could help address going forward. Yes, I believe so. I think it's very important. I think they'll be surprised, to be honest, if they perform that type of analysis to see exactly how effective or more to the point, (laughs) ineffective the equipment really is. Sure. So let's talk about maintenance strategies for a second. While characteristically, there's been schedule-based maintenance, but of course, things have changed. What's your sense of the trends in maintenance strategy? Is it all going to predictive maintenance? Uh, How should technical colleges approach maintenance in their education programs? What's your thinking about that? Good question, Mike. And I think, yes, it is going towards predictive but the pace, I believe, is extremely slow. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Implementing a predictive strategy in a greenfield, a brand new facility with the latest technology is relatively straightforward. It does require some additional artificial intelligence or some algorithms running in the background, but it's certainly easier to implement in a brand new facility. The converse of that, though, is trying to transition from a schedule-based maintenance to predictive in an older facility or an existing facility is a lot more challenging and can be a lot more expensive. 
And that's really why the pace of this transition to predictive, I think, is so slow. But it is the way to go. Good thought on that. Speaking now of maintenance in a general sense, it's clear to me, I think, that you would really value troubleshooting skills in your technicians. Do you do formal training when they come into your organization? Do you expect them to do troubleshooting? Do you have a troubleshooting process that all of your techs follow? What's your approach to troubleshooting? Yes, first of all, it is extremely important. And yes, we do provide training internally. Some of it is computer-based. Some of it is hands-on. But I think there are some core concepts of troubleshooting or fault-finding that can be taught prior to coming into the workforce. And just some general logical thinking about how something should work, what makes it work, How do I test to determine which part of this is not functioning properly? And then how do I interpret those results and turn them into corrective actions? That in itself is a process, and that can be taught at the community college level. Then when they come into the facility or into the industry itself, that's where I feel that more specific technical training can take place to develop their skills. I think they have to have that kind of logical thinking right from the get-go. That makes sense, Phil. Of course, on top of that, there's this sort of, I don't even know how to describe it, but let's get this conveyor back online in the next 60 seconds, right? Because there's a lot of stuff going on here. There's that additional pressure, right? Yes. And that's something that I try and encourage all my technicians. Don't panic. Think it through. Have the fortitude to be able to take a step back, think it through, and fix it properly the first time around rather than a temporary fix that something's going to happen again when you don't know where and it's always the most disrupted time. Good point, Phil. Let me change gears a little bit and ask you, you're thinking about certifications. There's a lot happening out there in the certification world, both on the industry side, the education side, but does industry really value them? That's the question. Are we going to see a job posting someday where it says, for example, certified industry 4.0 associate preferred or words to that effect, Phil? I think we are getting there, Mike. But right now, there are a ton of certifications out there. As part of my role, I do recruit a lot of new technicians and facility managers. I don't see many resumes where candidates say they have a particular certification What I would say, though, is if I did see an industry-specific certification on a resume, that would get my attention. So I don't think it's fully adopted yet by the industry because there is a proliferation of these certifications. But again, with the National Center for Supply Chain Automation, they have a certification that's nationally recognized, it's portable, it gives the recipient of that certification as some people put it, currency out there in the industry. But that one has been developed with industry leadership, and that one would get my attention if I saw that one on a resume. But to your earlier point, I don't think it's widely recognized yet, but I think it will play a much more significant role in the future. I appreciate the nod there to the National Supply Chain Center. Phil, I'm going to put a link to that center and that certification in the show notes, so thanks. 
Follow-up question, how do Dollar Tree technicians upskill? Do you use vendor training? Do you have internal training? How does it work? So I'm a big fan of giving technicians a career path. And so we do internal training and we also use trainers from the OEM manufacturers of the equipment. It's predominantly internal computer-based training. It does involve a series of lessons followed by tests, pre-tests and post-tests, so that we can gauge how were they before and how did they perform afterwards. And it's geared towards allowing them not only to do their job, but to be able to progress to the next level. So if they want to be considered for the next level technician status, then if they can demonstrate that they've gone through the training and they've reached a required standard, that should put them in a good position to progress. And you have to understand as well that most employers in our industry, we don't let our technicians practice on the real thing. The equipment is too critical to our business to allow anyone to practice their skills on the production equipment. So that's where simulation, virtual reality, things like that come into play. And they're useful tools. They can simulate very close to the real environment. And it's a low risk and low stress way of developing the skills of these technicians. That makes a lot of sense, Phil. As we wrap up today, let me ask you the following. If you had a crystal ball in front of you, right, what do you see evolving or changing in the next few years as new technologies come on, I mean, do you have great advice for our educators out there that's going to help them prepare the students that emerge into the workforce of companies like Dollar Tree? Great advice. What do you see coming? So I see a trend, obviously, towards more automation, robotics, autonomous vehicles, drones even, and the tools available to technicians will change. I think they'll be moving away from the typical screwdriver and wrench type approach. It would be more to smart devices, virtual reality type displays, things such as that. I think the good news there, though, is the new technology and the new tools, I think they're attractive to this generation of technicians. They've all been brought up in an era where computing and artificial intelligence has been developing very, very rapidly. As educators, we can keep an eye on those trends towards more automation and smart devices, and I think we'll win that battle. We appreciate your insight there, Phil. You know, today you just gave us a great perspective. It's very clear that you understand this technician workforce and this supply chain maintenance area very deeply. Your comments about the type of things they need to know, everything that range from control systems, PLCs and sensors to the more elaborate automation systems that are coming on, very important. And also I thought your comment that it's important they have a general understanding of how things work and the understanding that they're trying to make it more efficient, more effective, and to using metrics like overall equipment effectiveness. Those are great messages for education and training programs out there because we can shape those programs to try to meet industry needs. And I think it's through working with people like you that we really can help move this workforce forward. So thank you, Phil. Really appreciate the comments today. You're very welcome, Mike. Happy to contribute. All right. Goodbye then. Bye. Thank you. Listeners, today we heard Phil talk about trends and transitions in the supply chain automation industry. 
One of the things he mentioned was that it's not enough for a technician to simply confirm that a piece of equipment is operating, but rather the expectation is to know more about its effectiveness and its efficiency. He mentioned that's often involved in a metric called OEE, Overall Equipment Effectiveness. And your first action for today is to upgrade your knowledge of OEE. There's an article for you linked in the show notes. Phil also mentioned the topic of predictive maintenance, that is using information from embedded sensors and other smart devices to help the equipment, to help the technician understand what maintenance issues are coming and how to anticipate them before they cause problems. Make sure that your program or your own knowledge about predictive maintenance is up to date. There's a second link in the show notes that will help you do that. I want to acknowledge that our podcast is produced by John Chamberlain at Cord. Thank you, John, for all of the excellent work that you do. Our project is led by Principal Investigator Anne Claire Anderson, also at Cord. Thank you, Anne Claire, for your leadership. Now, colleagues, I'd like to invite you, if you access this podcast via the website, to turn right towards the show notes, and next to it is a link that says Feedback Survey. Take just a minute. Most people take less than two minutes to answer this survey. It'll help us improve the podcast going forward. And finally, I would like to thank you, our listeners, for preparing technicians for the future of work.